I just want to, you know, this is a incredibly like a uh, big waste of time, but I just want to go back to malice aforethought because that's just, isn't that a great phrase? Like, are there any other kinds of aforethought or is it like malice is the only one you hear, you know? Right. I mean, it's usually applied to murder cases where they did it <laughs> yeah. with malice. Afore- that's like, it's a first degree murder phrase, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what else can you do a forethought? I mean, I guess you can eat a sandwich a forethought because you, you 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 had the uh, the wherewithal and the time to go in and make yourself a sandwich. You knew you were going to eat that sandwich when you were making it. That was sandwich a forethought. Or if like you eat your roommate's sandwich and they're like, oh, no, I was just randomly hungry. And it's like, no, no, you had hunger a forethought. <laughs> this was a, a inside job. Yeah. <laughs> And if you, when you masturbate, I call it phallus aforethought. That's stupid. <laughs> Everybody, I apologize. <laughs> I had 10 seconds to think up a funnier joke than that, and I just fucking blew it. When I'm thinking I, of my little brother, that's Dallas aforethought. <laughs> is that something? I, I'd forgotten that your that your brother was named after a after Texas. Yeah, Dallas Dallas aforethought. Dallas aforethought sounds like that, that would be like. Is like you know, like Goodwill Hunting, and the guy's name is Will. <laughs> but like, if there was a show yeah. called Dallas Aforethought, <laughs> what would that even be? I don't know. I'd watch it for sure. I don't. I mean, well, I'd give it a chance. Uh, see, this is where, like this is when uh, one of those rare occasions where I truly do miss Dan Harmon. I'm kidding. I miss Dan just almost with every breath that I take, and every mm-hmm. step that I take, and every cake that I bake. Um, wow! But uh, he would—he would already have a pitch and a commercial for Dallas Aforethought. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I want to say Dallas Aforethought. He is one of the greatest murder trial lawyers in Texas. <laughs> and like, if if you've committed murder one, and you want to, and you want to get off, uh, you know, of, of the charge. His name is his name is Dallas. No, he can't live in Dallas too. He lives in uh, he lives Fort in Worth. Deep L- he lives oh. just yeah, he lives in Fort Worth. He lives in Fort Worth. That's perfect. <laughs> he lives near Dallas. He goes to the same airport as people from from, from Dallas, and he yeah he's it's kind of like a Perry Mason, uh, mm. except with the with a with a really dumb pun name, Dallas of Forethought. I, now I want to make this show happen. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, Kevin, before we got off on the Calzone tangents, which uh, which also might be a good episode title, the Cal- the Calzone, <laughs> the Calzone tangent, <laughs> which also sounds like some sort of uh, particle physicist theory, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like it's like scientists are talking about like, he's he's disappeared. Where did he go? He might have been caught in the ta- in the Calzone tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, starring Dallas of Forethought as <laughs> as Professor Calzone. Uh, so, uh, could you, Kevin, so I can pay attention to the fucking drivel that I'm currently doing right now? Uh, see if da- type in Dallas of Forethought with quotes and see if somebody's already onto this. Like, is, is there already a porn star or a uh, or a tattoo parlor or something called Dallas of Forethought? <laughs> Um, there was a headline in the Miami New Times from 1992 that is Dallas Aforethought um, about the movie JFK. Oh, dumb! I mean, I mean, I, I love it. 
I love it, but it's so. It's oh god. So it's a JFK movie, is what it is. That's that's the that's what the, the title Dallas of Forethought is. Yeah, it's a it's a re a re a reimagining of of the of the John F Kennedy assassination, where uh, it, 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 I don't know where Oliver Stone makes a shorter movie. Uh, yeah. British tabloids like like London papers <laughs> or in, English papers. Those people are like like uh, the Sun or the Star. Some of the headlines on there are just so good. The, nobody will care about this because none of you are probably soccer fans like I am. The, I, I don't remember if it was World Cup or the Euros or what, it, what match it was. But uh, Luis Suarez, I think he's an Argentinian player. They were playing the Italians uh, international team. And the Italians are known as uh, Iazuri, the blues, because they always wear blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas the French internationals are called Les Bleus, because they also wear blue. <laughs> and Chelsea's team in England are called the Blues. The Blues. Guess, why? Guess what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They're uh, sad, probably. Yes, they, they always have the Blues. <laughs> uh, yes. <they're laughs> so Luis Suarez bit one of the Italian players, like, like grabbed his arm and ate it like Kevin Day attacking a calzone. <laughs> And a delicious olive tomato and the other thing, calzone. And he had bitten other players before. This might have been his third offense of biting people. And awesomely, he has crazy fang teeth. He has really like this weird overbite. He looks like the guy, the last guy that you'd want to get bit by. Oh, uh, he looks like, he, like, like, a, like a Mako shark. And he bit a player. I don't know why he does this because... Not only are there 20 high-definition cameras in the stadium, everyone else has a f- camera on their phone. So it was quite well documented of him just going, and, just like, and like eating a dude's arm like corn on the cop. And so his name is Luis Suarez. And the Italian team is called the Blues. And in an English tabloid paper, the headline was the picture, the, the, the front page was, was Luis Suarez biting one of Yazuri, one of the Blues. And I'll never forget this, the headline. And this person, I hope, got a raise and got promoted and is now editing the paper. Uh, it, it, the headline was Chewy Lewis and the Blues, <laughs> 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 which is just spectacular. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah. And also, you have to be old enough to know who Huey Lewis and the News was. So there, there's a lot going on there. That's really yes. good, though. I, yes. We I, just I, lost 5,000 listeners for that story. <laughs> I was pretty close. I, I was like, I was like, uh, uh, lose, choose blues or something, but you know, but I, yeah. but, but it's so much elevated by Chewy Lewis and the blues. <laughs> Just to call anybody Chewy Lewis because <laughs> he likes to bite people. Uh, makes me very happy. I remember the media when, uh, works a lot harder over there, you know, like they're really earning their dinner, you know, not like also, us. I think generally they have a, 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 a little brighter sense of humor than we do. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think that paper would sell in, let's say, Dallas. Uh, uh, we don't have the, the kind of weird wordplay sense of humor, I think, that you, that you get in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. That I think wordplay specifically is something that they like have more of an ear to or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Or it's like less, it's less groany. You know, like how puns are so groany here. You know, it's like if you, if you say a pun, people like act like you like farted or something, you know, it's like, 
it's not it's not a it's untoward i forget who said it uh, some comic and i want to say it was a british comic no, he's uh, one rule in, in comedy no puns no puns no buns which is stupid because that's not even a pun and yet i still i still love it <laughs> what? No, no puns, no puns, no buns. That's I don't know. I don't. I don't get <laughs> what is that There's, supposed to mean? Like no nudity, know. or is it just like I a look? It, a it, asks, it asks more questions than it answers for certain. <laughs> Each morning, my splash page when I turn my computer on, uh, before I get into some very serious Asian porn, uh, it, I, my oh, splash no. page is is Reuters. Uh, because they're boring. I, I, I don't want tantaliz- tantalizing headlines of, you know, like, you know, teasers. And I don't want to I don't want to know that Chewy Lewis and the blues is happening. I, I, I want boring stuff about, you know, the Federal Reserve and like actual news. Asian <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and and Spencer, Spencer, whatever you're imagining when I say Asian porn, you're wrong. It's, it's not it's, serious it's, enough. It, it's, it's much more serious. Serious is a good way to put it. <laughs> Man, yeah. this is why you're an improv I, genius. I, I don't even know if I enjoy it. It's so serious. It's uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's it, it's it borders on the uh, on the moribund. Uh, <laughs> so, Kevin, Sorry, type in moribund. Type in moribund Asian porn. If anything comes up, the show is over and I'm going straight toward it. It's never occurred to me. Kevin's on the case. (laughs) I don't know that the word moribund and porn should ever be that closely associated. Uh, Moribund minx. (laughs) Like, takes care of serious business or something, you know? Like, all porn titles are crazy. Like, on the... More abundant. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anything, Kevin? Nothing comes up. Because uh, if bit. not, there there is a bit. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, nothing. I, I would say cl- clear that URL right away if if, if, if it's not already <laughs> scooped up. <laughs> anyway, I was saying that before I go to my uh, right. my my serious uh, deep dives into Asian porn. Um, I, I'll, Reuters will come up, and today or yesterday, the the opening splash page was a big picture of Trump's awful face, and you get that little flutter in your heart, like, oh, they got him, he's going to jail, or so, something like, or like, right. or he finally did something so amazingly bad, that you know, but it's, it never is. It's just it's just liberals trying to get his tax returns, which I, I think that you know that ship's we, maybe sailed. We shall see. How about just moribunds? <laughs> Asian moribunds. No puns, no puns. puns. Moribunds. moribunds. Yes. Moribunds, <laughs> the better. Uh, the moribunds, the merrier. Yeah. Like, look, we have we have 30 minutes remaining of the show. We, we have 30 minutes to get our, our Asian porn <laughs> website up and running. Kevin, yeah. I, I can see, if you're not watching, Kevin is fast at work at the keyboard, clearing URLs and getting domains <laughs> and stuff like that. It's a, it's an untapped market. Mm-hmm. But there's a big demand. I'm, I, I, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. And when I say Asian porn, you're, you're, you're imagining, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know what you're imagining. You're probably imagining what, you know, whatever tickles your fancy but um 
I'm not even saying there's Asians in the porn. It could just be Asian-funded porn, Asian uh, production companies. It could. It, 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 yeah. Man. You wouldn't even be able to tell if it weren't for those weird, like, glitchy sensor bars, you know? Oh, God. Asians is, love sensors. What is on that about? They, 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 they don't let you see a dick or a pussy. They, they don't like it. Uh, but they love their porn. Right. It's such a weird contract. It's like, what a weird threshold to go, hey, that's a bridge too far. Yeah. The we actual show, thing we're doing? Yes. <laughs> We invented Bukaki, but we're not going to show you a dick. <laughs> no. Because that would be insensitive. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah, there's there's so many other things to censor and pixelate and, than people having sex. I, I don't get it. Yeah, for sure. But, that's, but, but as, as we're talking about this, this is not the, what we're talking about right now is not the sort of Asian porn that I am into. It's very different. It's highly specific and right. very unpixelated. Mm-hmm. But extremely serious. Very serious. Um, it's just a, it's just uh, old um, Asian men crying on women's feet. <laughs> and someone's like reading the news. Yeah. In Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> the Financial Times. Yeah. Oh boy! Here's to uh, I, I need a drink. I don't know about you guys. It's uh, I would say it's been a long day, but I really didn't do anything but watch soccer and nap. So, but yeah, these are, for these are the brought to you by Dallas Aforethought. He's a new man on the scene, and he's Dallas. got to be mean. Dallas Aforethought. Dallas Aforethought. Well, I'm going to open up a Mexican restaurant called Jalapeno Grill. Yeah. And I, I, I thought, God damn it, I'm a fucking genius. And then, you know, guess what? Uh, there are restaurants that are really, like, been around for a long time called Jalapeno Grill. And I think they're older than people talking about getting all up in your grill. Right. I, I, right. I think it's just a, a, also just a decent name for a Mexican restaurant. This will be as confusing for you as it is for me. Episode 10's D&D Notes. Kitty Book. BFN, that's B-Fungus Net, deceptive, <laughs> three dudes show up, two dead, try to leave, arrow to the three dudes, smugglers, silk cloth, caves to the sea, book, and then dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, rock question mark, smugglers cavern, right fork, beef dryness Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think I'm caught up. I'm pretty, yeah, uh, I don't, I, I, we could probably yeah. skip the recap. Yes, it was it was it was only two weeks ago, but I that that was that was absolutely right on the money. I I, I whispered to Beef Fungus Ned, uh, say uh, like, hey, uh, whoever you think would be the be the best person to help somebody who's not feeling well among the remaining guys, have have him come out and have have a look at. Uh, at, at Carl. Oh, you must be talking about chicken moistness Chuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, chicken. I'm writing this down because it'll be funny next time. Uh, moistness <laughs> Chuck. And Ned's like, oh, that's that that's one of the hobgoblins. Uh oh. I don't think I don't think the guys are here. They might have gone back to the boat or something. 
So there's just a hobgoblin in there? I don't, I don't know what. There's always, you know, there's also the the the, the leader, the leader, San Belay. Sam? San Belay. It's French or some shit. Now I talk like Hank Hill. I'm, I'm Beef Fungus Ned. <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome to That Happens, the podcast where we get deep into the down and dirty of Dirt Down. It's time to get Dirt Down with Dirt Davis. That's right. My name's Spencer and I'm here with Jeff Divity Davis. What's up, Jeff? Jeff the Dirt Man Davis. That's <laughs> when we start our actual FM radio uh, morning drive time. Uh, I'm, I'll be Jeff the Dirt Man, and what are you going to be, Spencer? I guess I'll just be you know like there's the there's this like just the the guy who's like oh it's the Roach or whatever. So I think it'd be <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Jeff yes. the and Dirt Man in the Sixler, the Sixler <laughs> and Dirt Man in the morning. <laughs> I met I met the Fegs I think once at Eric's house a few years ago. And then I was in London doing shows with uh, Whose Line Is Anyway at the Royal Albert Hall, which was fucking awesome. And mm. they were also in town doing a press tour for the uh, for Ghostbusters because he directed the uh, the the women version of, uh, of Ghostbusters. And they were in, right. they were in, in London doing a press tour. And he's like, I- I'm going to want to drink after this, so let's meet at my uh, at my bar that I go to. And uh, so he he tells me to go to this bar. It's called Duke's Bar. And it's at I think the same St James's Hotel in St James Park. I'm not sure exactly. It was dark, and I don't know London all that well. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "You'll get there before us, so just sit down and tell him you know us, and grab a drink and wait for us." So I had just got a really kick-ass suit uh, from Vivian Westwood. I don't know if it's actually on Savile Row, but it's like it, it, it's basically Savile Row, where all the good you know suit makers have been for, since forever. And I got this bitchin' suit, and. I was uh, I'd done my show, got changed into the nice suit, get a taxi to this bar, and I walk in. It's a smallish hotel. It's very, very British and very, very finely appointed. Very cool, very Paul Feig and Lynn Laurie Feig, his wife. And I walk in, and I I, I kind of look to the lobby, which is quite small, and I, I look to the right, and I go, okay, "That's got to be where the bar is." And I walk in, and this chrome-headed, like bald dude. And like a white dinner jacket with a, like a drink cart, like bars my way. He like, like, like stops me from walking in. And uh, he's like, who, who are you here to see? And I said, well, I'm, meet, I'm meeting some friends. But I think I'm early. I'm, is it cool if I just wait at the bar and uh, wait for them? He's like, he's like, there is no bar. I'm like, like, I see people drinking. And he's like, who are your friends? I go, well, they're guests here. Um, it turns out they weren't guests there. That's just where he likes to go drink. I thought they were guests at the hotel. And the guy says, well, what, and what are their names? And this guy was like kind of throwing me out. And uh, and I don't think I look like a ruffian from off of the, the streets of London. Um, but he, you know, like you have to know somebody, I guess. And I said, uh, uh, Paul and Laurie Feig. And then he brightens up and he goes, and he moves the car out of my way. And he goes, those aren't guests. Those are friends right this way. And... There's a big like oil painting of Sean Connery when you walk in. I forget if it's signed, but there's a big Sean Connery when you walk in. And there's no there's no bar. He brings the, the, the drink cart over to you, and you're in a big high-backed chair, and it's very, very English. And you, I guess the word on the street is you don't ask – you don't tell him what you want. You ask him what he, what he would like to make you. And supposedly – I don't know if I've got this wrong or if I, if I just want to believe this or if this is the, the actual truth – 
It's where Ian Fleming used to go drink when he was writing all of the James Bond books. Mm -hmm. And supposedly that's where the martini shaken, not stirred originated and stuff like that. Let's uh, let's crack into this D&D after this word from our messages. Wait, what word? A message from our Spencer's. (laughs) No, wait. A sponsored ad break. Hey there, I'm Terry Crews. I got a product for you. It's my pecs. You can rent my pecs, left run or right one, for charity or photo ops or just, you know, uh, somewhere to store piercings. I'm Terry Crews. <laughs> Terry um, Crews for Terry Crews' pecs. We got uh, to get, get back yes. into this, uh, this improv, you teaching me improv. I think I need some courses. My main problem, and the reason why I only gave Terry Cruz's pecs uh, uh, emporium uh, three, three stars on Yelp and TripAdvisor is because the supply was so limited. They, they, they always seem to be out of stock. <laughs> yeah. It was a real, uh, there's a real, what do you call it? Uh bottleneck in the supply chain i really don't <laughs> yeah. know why they didn't see I, that coming i i mean i know he's probably got money to spare and he's probably just doing this as a labor of love but it seems like a poor business model to me well i think part of the problem is the prices are so low like considering yeah. like yeah. how limited the supply is it really yeah, doesn't mean, make like, sense you, you you see the prices the low low prices on terry cruz's pecs and you're like i can't afford not to get one of these and then <laughs> these then you Abdominal order them prices and, yeah <laughs> Yes, it's titty quality at general prices. <laughs> I don't know what that means. When you said start the music, I instinctively, like re, like knee-jerk reaction, reached over to where my iPad would, would have been on the dais at a Harmontown show. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I, I had that beef, brief moment of a... Not that beef moment. I did beef not have moment. a beef moment. <laughs> beef moment, Barry. Beef moment, Barry, was there. Uh, come down to Fogarty Chow for your beef moment. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what there's something uh, really awful sounding about having a beef moment. I'm having a beef moment. Yes, I had a brief moment of panic because I thought, oh shit, my, my iPad's in the other room. But then I saw uh, the, the Zoom image of Kevin leap into action mm. with cunning and alacrity. I do have one more thing about butts is that I had a kidney stone and they gave me and so now I'm I'm at a low in my life. I'm pissing into a funnel. I'm um I, if I go somewhere that could take me a while and I might have to go to the bathroom while I'm out, I got to take this piss funnel, put it into like a plastic bag and take it with me on the go. It's it's a right mess. I um I had to take a dump today and I was like out and so I like ran home. I go I go to the bathroom. I'm like I'm like, I got a shit, but when you shit, you know, you piss normally. That's just what comes out. And I'm like, I can't, how do I angle this funnel? I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm grab, grabbing my dick and pinching it hard. So I'm not peeing while I'm shitting. Right. But I can feel some pee leaking out. It's just not coming out of my dick. And so then I just loosen my grip the tiniest bit. All of a sudden I'm pissing on my hand. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I have to reach into the, the bathtub, turn on the bathtub to wash off my hand. I got to grab my funnel, wedge that in there while I'm still shitting. I got to piss in this funnel while I'm shitting. It's a whole, I'm like, I got to, I got to make better life choices. 
It's a hard knock life for us. It's a hard knock life for us. So what's the worst case scenario? That you accidentally pass a kidney stone and you don't catch it in the funnel? Yeah, I want to catch this thing. I got to present it to my doctor as some sort of ritualistic uh, trophy oh, or something. All right, for his for his uh, for his necklace. Yeah, yeah. It's but I don't know. I, I'm sure I passed it. There was these two times where I peed like two in the morning when I was half asleep. I like woke up, went to the bathroom, and I'm sure I passed it then. So like now this is all just you know agonizing over nothing. And I've been thinking about going to the water park, but it's like, what if I have to pee at the water park? I gotta I gotta bring my funnel to the water park, put no, it in a locker. Just let, no, let it happen. I bet at, <laughs> at the water park, if you if you really go down to the deep end, there's just a lot of kidney stones just laying down there towards the <laughs> towards the edge of the drain. Oh, it's a pebble beach. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone on auditions and they will have, you know, IMDb'd me. And they go, oh, so Jeff, tell me about being on Broadway. I was like, well, that was when I was nine and ten years old. Oh, and now uh, what's what's laser fart? So I, I, I have to have that conversation quite a bit. So uh, for, for those of you that know it or don't know it or, or care or don't care, I'm going to tell the story anyway. Uh, it was early days of Channel 101. And it, it might have been like... I don't know, in the first few months of Channel 101, when we, we were still holding the screenings at Toy uh, uh, Thai Food on, what was it, Vine? I forget what street that was on. Highland? Whatever it was. Um, and we had low submissions. There, there weren't a lot of new submissions, so we were trying to fill it out. And Harmon called me and Schraub and said, hey, um, I'm writing a, a new show uh, like come over and just I was like what, what should I wear and he goes I, I, I haven't even written it yet just wear what you're wearing and so I showed up in like a like a blue button down shirt and camouflage pants <laughs> those are my, <laughs> my, my my paintball pants I believe so that was kind of my like my lazy day around the house pants and for some reason I wore glasses I, don't, I like, like like spectacles not sunglasses and which I don't wear. I think I just had like a pair of prop glasses or something like that. And Dan wrote Laser Fire episode one in like a few minutes, like a half hour, I think. And we went over there and did it. And it's one of the, I think it's the only place you can see my naked ass on camera. Uh, mm. uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was very, very fun. And it was in Dan's old crap apartment on on, uh, on Commonwealth. So I don't know if it's episode two or three. If, if you don't know Laser Fart, uh, Dan eats a microwave out of a malfunctioning microwave, uh, a microwave burrito, out of out of a malfunctioning microwave, and he farts lasers. And he has to come to the uh, decision: does he use his power for good or for evil? And then his girlfriend Don Cody gets raped and murdered by Rob. And he decides he's basically like Batman, <laughs> but he mm -hmm. but he farts lasers. So I, I forget which number episode it was, but Jack Black was a guest star, and he played the uh, the something hunter. The what, what was it? Kevin? Elegant remember? hunter. The the elegant. I was going to say the, the foxy hunter, but it was the elegant hunter. And we get into a fight in a hotel room. Or was this Computer Man? I think it was Laser Fire. I don't know. Whether or not, whatever it was. Here was the beauty of, of Channel 101 back in those days. Because this is Jack Black, like, after School of Rock had just come out. And, you know, like, he's, he's, he's famous. 
and we were we were shooting a scene with me, Steve Agee, and Jack Black in the uh, the Sportsman's Lodge uh, Hotel, which is if you if you're not from LA, it's up in the valley and it's it's kind of weird. I think they've renovated it a lot, so it's kind of groovier now. But it's, it just seems like a place where like old white guys go and talk about golf and uh, and probably have sex with prostitutes. So we ordered room service, like because we'd been shooting for a while, and the room service guy comes in, and it's me, Steve Agee, and Jack Black in our underwear, uh, uh, doing kung fu uh, with each other, and it really looked like. And there's cameras, and and some lo- like some bad lighting, and the the the. the, the the room service guy gave us a look of just disappointment. It's like, like, like we were clearly making porn, but porn that nobody wants. Uh, the, the, the very first Computer Man episode, uh, Jack came and, and uh, there's a scene at the end where he's walking up the street and I was running the camera and it was famous as Jack Black in his tidy whities with a computer monitor on his head walking up the street. And I was like, people driving by don't know that that's Jack Black, but I wish they did. Uh, what, oh, is it, was it Laser Fur? The Halloween episode? Yeah, the, the Halloween episode. We shot at Dave Hartman's house. And Dave Hartman, the great animator, who was on After Us, I believe. I drove Jack up to Hart, uh, Dave Hartman's place, which I think was like in Simi Valley. So, you know, like about 40-minute drive from where I live. And I scooped up Jack, and so we are driving up my crappy old Honda and we were supposed to do a scene. It was a flashback where we were in Vietnam together. So we decided that we needed to get cigarettes and and baby oil so that we could look sweaty, like like so like we'd be, like we're in we're in Vietnam. And we needed cigarettes to look like joints because we'd be getting high like in, like in a scene from Platoon and you know and, uh, you know rhythm and blues like soul music is playing and we're all sweated up. So we we go to the checkout counter. We 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 check out with a twelve pack of beer, a pack of cigarettes, and baby oil. <laughs> and the woman at the register at the supermarket looks up and she goes, "You're Jack Black." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, yeah." So I, I, she was like, uh, "So you guys you got a big night coming up apparently." <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Happens, the rootinest, tootinest, rodeo-style podcast. That's where we come in and wrestle the Broncos and fight the bulls of the days and nights of the old wild west. I'm Yule Brenner. (laughs) (laughs) That, you see, a lot of people, uh, with the exception maybe of Billy Crystal in the late 80s, early, maybe early 90s, that has got to be the best Yule Brenner impression this guy's ever heard. <laughs> and Pe- people forget that he wasn't actually Yugoslavian or Hungarian or Romanian or, or Bulgarian or whatever he was, but uh, he actually was a rootin', tootin', uh, mustache-wearing old coot from the... Uh, I think he was from South Nevada. I, I went out... Speaking of uh, I-, I wish you didn't exist stories, I was just before we came here... I'd finished another Zoomy meeting-y thing and popped over to the old, uh, ye old rustic inn, a bar that I truly hate. But the, the problem is it's open and it's nearby. I go, I would like to get out of the house, have a beer, chill out. Then I go, oh, it's playoffs time, so it's sporty people's there. 
And I sat at the bar, and it was, it was much too loud, and there was music that I didn't dig. But I was like, I, I can handle a beer here. And there was a dude sitting near me who really wanted to strike up conversation with me. And this would be the first time since COVID where you're like, oh, I forgot that there are people that will lean over to you that are a foot taller than you and could snap you like a twig and want to start talking to you but making fun of you for dressing like you dress. So he was like, he's like, hey, you're all ready for the 25th? I'm like, what's that? I was like, what are you talking about? And I go like, no, I thought you meant Father's Day, but isn't Father's Day the 20th? I was, I was like, I, I just didn't, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, Semper Paratus, baby, always, always prepared. And then another guy that I know and like walks in and he was wearing a hat that says natural light beer on it. <laughs> and I don't think he's wearing it ironically. I think that he wears a hat when it's sunny out and he just puts whatever ball cap comes on. Mm-hmm. But this guy is a guy that you would not want to fuck with. The person I know. Um, he's, a, he's a tough hombre. Now, this big guy who's much bigger than my tough hombre friend, he goes, oh, so you don't have any better taste in hats than that? Now, that was his hello. And I just, like, I, I was sort of like, this, this could end with a guy going to the hospital. Because <laughs> no, this I guy that, the, so. the guy that I'm talking about, uh, he, he can go to zero uh, from zero to a hundred in no seconds, and uh, and my friend goes no 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 yeah, yeah I, I guess I could I guess I could he goes well you could have better taste than a and the guy goes people I r- walk up to and stand next to by accident <laughs> and the guy thought about that for a second and then got up and walked out so I think he basically said you don't exist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I imagined you now I unimagined you I sent you to the cornfield like the Twilight Zone. Hey there, my name's Yule Brenner, coming in live on the rodeo to promote Rodeo Rampage, a combination between frickin' monster trucks and bulls. Who will win? The Grave Digger or Big Ol' Bessie. Uh, go to www.yulebrenner.com slash tickets to see what happens when the clowns hit the frowns. Uh, my friend Chris, uh, Chris Dermick, one of the guys that, uh, when I first started doing improv, like when I was in, like a teenager, he was in Comedy Sports LA, and he's still one of my comedy heroes. Uh, God, he's funny. Uh, <laughs> we went and saw somebody, like some friends of ours, did a play on Theater Row. Is it on you know in Santa Monica where there's like 19 little theaters that hold 19 people, and. And there's some, there's some awesome theater that goes on there. And also, you know, like anything, there's also not so good theater. We went and saw some friend of ours. And I don't remember who the person was or what the play was. I do remember that uh, I wanted to commit seppuku in the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm too tall to get up and walk out of a theater that small without kind of taking the big top down with me. <laughs> um, so, I, so you're uh, a hostage. You're, you're, mm-hmm. You have to be there. You maybe could split at intermission, but then they come back and there's two people there. You know, so you can't do that. And so after the show, we had to go meet our friend and her friends that were in the play. And Chris and I are saying, like, what do you say? Because it was, it was not just poor. It was, it was really bad. It offended bad on, the senses. Like, yeah, it, 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 it hurt my spirit. 
Uh, I walked. I walked away a, a, a lesser entity than I came out the door for the price of five dollars. Uh, so I I didn't really know the person as well as Chris did, and Chris geniusly he goes I I know exactly how to handle this, and he went up to the actress who's you know expectantly wanting to know what do you think? Sure. And Chris goes. It gives her a big hug. He's like, oh, my God. What have you done? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> you could also say that to Oppenheimer uh, after creating the nuclear bomb. Uh, and then to one of the actors, he goes, that was something. And you, you were something else. <laughs> so if you ever need to pay... Three non-compliments in a row. Oh, what, what have you done? That was something. What have you done? <laughs> and that was something else. Technically, it was something. And technically, that was something else. Holy smoke. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. But I like what I like about that is it feels very performative towards the no- the audience in the know. Like, that was like, <laughs> it was more to you than it was to them, you know? But they're also theater people, and they should have known. But I think you're so eager to hear any compliment or to mine a compliment out of any ore that you're given. <laughs> like, what what have you done? And they're like, oh, my God, I know. It's so fun. Like, like, like he got off scot-free. No, nobody sensed the, uh, the bitter irony in it. It was fantastic. You get up to the top, and he's like, how about a rope? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking, I got, uh, hey, how about I one-up you on rope? I've got 50 feet of silk rope. So I, I, I find a, uh, like, a, is there a tree stump or a heavy rock that I can tie off to and, uh, and, and toss them down a line? Yeah, you see a heavy, sh- a heavy rock, and next to it are two smaller, rounder rocks. And you remark, this looks awfully like a phallus. Am I just being childish, or is this... Is this uh, like, does it look like it was put there in place by some sort of monks or, you know, some dru- druids or whatnot? Well, you, you look at it and you see there's a little plaque and it says Dick Rock dedicated by Dick Cock in honor of all the coxmen back out who have lost their lives to the venereal diseases. Okay. You see uh, three people, three men. And uh, and a baby, yeah. You see three men and a baby, and one of the men is a tall, thin, uh, regal-looking elf. Uh oh, an elf. Is that interesting? You know, does that remind you of anything? And the elf is being argued with by these brutish-looking thugs. He stands a head taller than both of them, but they're you know about twice to three times his thickness and bulk. And they're they're getting kind of angry, and the baby's like the baby's getting it on it too. The baby's like pointing and stuff. It's fucking nuts. Wait, what, what, I mean, do I have to roll perception to know what side the baby's t- uh, team team is? Who who's the baby rooting for? You don't have to roll, but it looks like the baby's just happy to be involved. He do, you don't know where he came from. You don't. Okay. He doesn't seem to necessarily be representing one side or the other. But yeah, but babies just like a commotion. They they want to feel like they're part of the yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah I got gotcha. you. Exactly. Okay. Um, three men and a baby. It's a great film. And he, they're grappling. They're kind of wrestling each other. Um, and the baby 
The baby moves towards Jeff. <laughs> well, that's the last thing that baby ever did. <laughs> okay. I mean, All right, but it. Mm. The baby. When you say the baby moves towards me, uh, it, with what sort of attitude? Like, like he's is he goo goo gaga? Is he? Yeah, it's like it's. He's got big baby energy. Oh my god, damn it! it he but doesn't am I, am seem I so, violent. Well, he's about to turn into a, some sort of boog, and I know that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been over the road long enough to know that there's no there's no tax babies. Uh, everybody probably works for this tax baby. Um, <laughs> So, so to tell me the proximity that I'm with the, uh, these, uh, the, the baby and the dwarf. <laughs> the baby is kind of close to your feet. You know, you're not going to step on him, but he's he's real near you, and you're in you're in melee combat with uh, the elf dwarf. Sorry, um, elf. Okay, um, the baby makes a horrible face. <laughs> oh, the most horrible face you've ever seen, and then a terrible stench fills the air. And the baby starts crying. Cliffhanger! Cliffhanger! Baby just made a boom boom. I, <laughs> I, I killed his dwarf daddy and he made a boom boom. Uh, okay. 